3: Welcome back on the Doctor Dolly Show. Thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly. One eight seven seven D O C D A L I. So last year, I had gotten an email from one of our listeners who was kind of confused why there was this big push for people to talk to their boss about their mental health, even though society is trying to embrace it and not stigmatize it. The average boss. Um, might not like the fact that you're asking for stress days or you feel like you're at your wit's end or that it might hurt you. And so I was asked, what is the best way to approach it if you feel like your depression or anxiety is getting the best of you? So one thing that I think, you know, doctors and society wants to do is uh, try to move away from the you having to lie that you have diarrhea, or lie that you have a headache, to keep from people knowing that you have depression and anxiety, you know, I, I, we, we shouldn't have to lie, you know, now that we see that depression, uh, low serotonin, anxiety, is very medical, it's not mental health, but it's, it's all interrelated, that, you know, you should be able to, first of all, I, I don't think you should have to tell your boss you have diarrhea, I did. Because if I said I was sick, nobody believed you. So you say, you know, I have explosive diarrhea. Who's going to lie about that? So, uh, but, you know, what if that's, you know, what if you just can't get out of bed? You're sad. You just got dumped. You're, uh, you have a family member who is dying. You know, uh, what if you're just too sad and your mind isn't in it? You nope. Know, don't you think your boss would want to know? You know, you're not trying to get out of work because you're being lazy and you're hung over. You know, you are, you're sad. How are you supposed to joke around with people? You know, and, and you know, I, you know, I rarely called off. In fact, the day my dad died, I still worked that day for me. I had to keep busy you know, uh, but um, um, you know, it, if that happens, you have every right to take time for yourself. I don't think it does the clients or your boss any good pushing through. I think I was still just kind of a shock going, you know, I, and I think I always knew that my dad was going to leave us. And so while waiting to ship his body over to where I live, it, I was like, I, you know, I might as well work. I need the money. There's no money for his funeral, so I might as well work. So, I mean, some people, they work, and working helps them. But, you know, do you have bosses who are going to be like, okay, you know what? I don't need this. I don't. And and, you know, mental health has been unfortunately stigmatized. And, you know, it's because it hasn't been properly discussed. Yes. Some individuals with poor mental health, you know, have done some bad things at the workplaces. Some of them have not done good jobs. But there's been people with. Good mental health—that is also screwed up. I mean, I, there. Yep. So you you can't just ice stereotype that. You need to, as you're a bo- uh, you know, as a boss, your job is you know, if you want to know what the employer has to do, the employer's job is to make sure the workplace is safe. They have to make sure the coworkers are safe. They have to make sure the clients are safe. They have to make sure that they don't lose. They aren't taking losses. And sometimes the employer has to report to their employers or a board. So if you are an employee, understand where the employer is coming from. And when you do have a discussion, if you feel like you need to have a discussion, uh, and, and you, know, uh, it, you know, start with that. Say, look, you know, um, I have a family member who has cancer. And I don't know when things are going to turn bad. And I want to be there, for, be there for them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be sad. And you need a person, you know, you know, because you need somebody who's really, you know, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be as happy-go-lucky, and I don't want customers to pick up on that while I'm temporarily going through this, you know, some significant grief. So if we're coming up on that, you know, if that's where we're going, um... Can I be in a different department temporarily? Or what could we do for that? Because I I don't want to leave my job. I don't want to, but I want to prepare you because you know we have a really good working relationship that this might be coming up. Or I might be going through a divorce. This is something, you know, long time happening. In my mind, I think we're going to be able to sail through it, but I don't know what surprises I'm going to get from my partner, from the lawyer. And so I want to be able to talk to you about it. If I get a little stressed, I just want you to know What's happening? Because I I don't want, you know, if and I want you to tell me if you see a change in my job duties, you know, I'm going to be doing the best of my ability. But if you're noticing, you know, that I'm not I want to do the best job possible, what could we do? Can I take some time off? You know, can I uh, change? Can I use some of my um, you know PT or, or something like that? Or do you need me to get FMLA? Should I get something from my doctor so that it gives me that liberty to take off if things start to get, you know, a little rough? And I got to tell you, I think your employer would love that rather than you just not showing up on Monday or saying, yeah, you know, I think we need to protest the five day work week and only have three days a week. I, I you know, I, I think there's other ways to do it. You know, and the funny thing is, is the reason why it's easier now to have these conversations is many employers struggle with depression, struggle with anxiety, or they have a family member who does. You know, and and so they understand. You know, when when one of my nurses would say I had a migraine, I totally get. I, I've had migraines, I get it. And you know what? It's good you did come in because you know it's really hard to function and to be a hundred percent accurate with your work if you have a migraine. I get that. You know, or sometimes you take a migraine medicine like a triptan and it makes you foggy. So, you know, being honest and having that conversation, if you think you're going to lose your job as a result, it's better to communicate about it 1st eight seven seven dot Dolly.
2: Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
4: I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call.
3: Dr. Dahlia Show, thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven 877 doc dali one docdali Big thanks to Genesis Communications Network for making the show happen. Big thanks to Brad, our producer, and big thanks to you all for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, The Dr. Dahlia Show. So I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, when the student loans had to go back to um, starting to be paid after a, a three-year hiatus. All right. And um, the money was supposed to help fund a lot of the things that Congress is spending. Looks like many borrowers said, nope, I'm still not paying. And apparently they are boycotting paying off their student loans to try to force government to write the loans off. An intelligent on-com survey conducted this month of 1,000 federal student loan borrowers, 25% said they didn't make any payments at all even though they were supposed to, start in October. 9% said that we're holding off intentionally because they want to pressure the government into canceling their debts. 1 in 10 delinquent borrowers taking part in this boycott, 40 of, of them, 44%, said they think the protest is going to lead to the cancellation of some of the federal student loan debt. 28% think it's likely the boycott will convince the government to cancel all student loan debt. And they feel this is going to make an impact. Eighty six percent told intelligence.com It was very likely, 45 percent or somewhat likely, 41 percent that the boycott will draw attention to the student loan debt conversation. Sixty four percent said they believe it is highly or somewhat likely that the boycott will help elect political candidates who believe in loan forgiveness. So here, here's the thing I'm kind of worried about. All right. So uh, I, we really messed up with our college students. We really screwed up. Number one is we let colleges charge ridiculous, exorbitant rates. I mean, look at how many Jewish students going to Harvard. It's like I want my money back. I don't want to go to a school or, or, or be associated with anti-Semitism. Uh. Uh-uh. I want my money back. I mean, I, I've seen schools, medical schools, ridiculously charge fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. So one is, school should have never cost that much, and I see the wasteful spending that happens in academia. Guys, the budget's gonna be renewed. You know, if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it. So spend, spend, spend. We got to spend out the budget, otherwise they're gonna give us less money next year. Well, I, and and so rather than saying wow, you know what, we're gonna give you guys a bonus for the money you save. And we're going to be able to charge less tuition. No, tuition always goes up. Then, during the Democratic primary, they were like, ooh, I could get people to vote for me if I promised to write off student loan debt. Ooh, let's do that. Which was kind of stupid because you had many people who just paid off their student loans. Or they picked, you know, in-state or community college rather than going to a beautiful you know, private campus across the country taking student loans out for their moving expenses and for their car and for their living expenses. Some of us, you know, had roommates while other people took out a luxury apartment. And so paying off student loans now, even among the Democratic Party, was like, okay, wait a second. Uh, okay, if we thought this was going to be an option, we wouldn't have paid off our loans. Or we would have gone to school. How many Democrats did not, or Republicans, did not go to school because they didn't want to have the debt? And now you're like, you mean we could have done that? We could have borrowed money that just could have gotten written off? So with this back and forth, if you're a student, I don't blame these students, though. To be honest, part of me completely understands, because why start paying loans back if there's this, you know, threat? and it is a threat, that they would be written off and then you paid for nothing. The people who are getting screwed over the student loan repayment, getting screwed badly, are the ones who are doing the right thing and paying off their debt. And when students saw people furious going, I would have never made payments. If I knew, you mean I could have saved thousands of dollars? Why would anybody start paying back if, based on the next election, there could be this possibility that, no, you never had to pay? Now, the, the average student that's a young adult needs to learn life lessons. You can't borrow a car, borrow for a car and not pay that back. You can't borrow for a mortgage and not pay that back. But what we're teaching the youth is these traditional concepts of when you take out a loan, you pay it back with interest, don't seem to matter anymore. Depend on if a political candidate picks and chooses a, a narrative or a platform. So if you don't, you know, think that student loan debt Follows any of the traditional definitions. What about your car? What about your mortgage? See, what are your consequences? If you don't pay on your car, the car gets taken away. The bank takes it. What's your consequences on your mortgage? You lose the house. You get evicted. But if you got your degree, does the degree get taken away? No. No. Because we borrowed money from the government. I mean, there used to be consequences, fines. Um, I don't know if there's jail time. I don't think so, but, you you know, I don't know if there's liens on houses. I don't know. It seems to me that, well, if it's student loan debt, it's not your fault. Now, you know, I have a lot of students that I teach and mentor. Personally, I think any of the relief should be coming out of the colleges. We're doing to the colleges exactly what we did to the insurance companies with Obamacare. Insurance companies, charge whatever you want. We're going to subsidize it from the government. Same thing with colleges. Colleges, look, charge whatever the hell you want. We're going to, on the back end, help the students. So the colleges keep charging more. You're actually screwing over the students. What really should have happened is, guys, my platform is we are going to go to the colleges and we are going to ask them to give $10,000 back to every borrower. And then use that money to knock off your your debt. Because if you borrowed to go to Harvard, or you borrowed to go to MIT, or you borrowed to go to the University of Alabama, then if they give that money back, we write it off your debt. But no one's doing that. And you even see on colleges, yeah, write off student loan debt. Uh, Excuse me, uh, you're the ones that took in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. You got paid. So, you know, these students saying, uh, why should I pay? Because there's going to be, and and I get that fear. You don't want to be paying just to find out that the next election in 2024 or 2028 is going to then reverse all that. You'd rather just accrue the interest. But, I I mean, look at how unsettling that is. Do I pay or do I go? What what do I do? And, And I think probably what we need to do is go back and say, guys, we screwed up. If colleges want to individually write off some of your debt, they can. And then we will write that off your balance. But you guys borrowed from the government, you owe the government. You borrow from a bank, you owe the bank. You borrow from a car dealership and do a direct financing, you owe the car dealership. That's just the way loans work. That's real life but you start picking and choosing who doesn't have to follow the rules it's a mess and that that it's a mess right now you know and and yes you know protests yeah i, I again you know these these politicians it's a little tricky because the student loan debt repayment was not as popular as people thought because many people in either political party either paid off their le- their debt they have other debt now, or they really sacrificed to not have debt. I mean, I waited tables while going to school. You know, I picked state schools, which I'm glad I did. I wouldn't have had it any other way. But yeah, you know, I I I made sacrifices so I could borrow as little as possible. And when you're teaching everybody, no, borrow a lot because we're going to write it off. Now, now, who's going to go to state schools? It, it just it, it's it's stupid. It, it's a mess. And the schools keep charging more. And, and I think, you know, the average Democrat, the average Republican is like, look, you know, if I am a student, that's cool. And if I have kids in college, that's cool. But my neighbor is ticked. My plumber is ticked. My electrician is ticked. And they're not going to vote for that because they don't want their tax dollars going to that. 1877 877 1877
0: often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be extend
3: your life with extend over
6: say News, I'm Ryan Daniels. Republican presidential candidates are now turning their attention to New Hampshire, as that state's first-in-the-nation primary elections are on the way. Nikki Haley spoke to reporters despite a disappointing finish in the Iowa caucuses. She's surging in the polls ahead of the vote in New Hampshire.
4: We've been here for 11 months. We've done over 75 town halls. We have been in Red Arrow Donner before, and so we're going to continue to talk to people.
6: The Granite State's planning to hold two Republican primary debates. But Haley says she does not plan to participate in either of them, unless former President Trump does. Trump has not participated in any GOP presidential debates so far. Entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who ended his campaign this week, is saying Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley should do the same thing. A third-party candidate running for president, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., is hoping to secure a spot on ballots all across the country. I'm Ryan Daniels, USA News.
2: All
3: right. We are back on the Dr. Dolly Show. Thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly. One eight seven seven D O C D A L I. So for years, I told you all that if you wanted to lose weight and you wanted to exercise, but you can't stand the treadmill, you can't stand lifting weights, you can't stand going for a jog, you can't stand any of that. I had suggested, well, do you like to dance? Do you like to wiggle around? Well, not in front of people. All right, well, private. If you if there's a good song, do you notice you start kind of tapping and moving around to it? Yeah. Well, then dance. Dance. It's like a dance. <laughs> you can dance. Lose some weight. Exercise. Researchers in China found that dancing could lead to sustainable weight loss. Lower obesity rates, ward off diabetes, ward off high blood pressure, heart attack. I think Cameron Diaz had talked about how she likes to um, break out into spontaneous dance routines in the house, sometimes naked. Cameron Diaz is 50 years old and she is uh, in pretty good shape. Now, I am sure somebody as wealthy as her has a personal trainer and does go to the gym. But Cameron Diaz said, I don't think enough people realize there's a lot of things you could do in a small space. A really great thing to do is put your headphones in, put on a playlist and dance for 15 minutes straight as hard as you can. Then go and take a shower and start your day. And it's true. I need to listen to music that gets my heart pumping in the morning. That works better than caffeine. And in this study that was published in the journal Plus One, researchers at Hunan University evaluated 646 overweight and obese adults across 10 different studies. And they found that dancing regularly for at least three months improved body composition by lowering body mass index and fat and reducing waist circumference in obese participants. It also showed more creative dances like jazz and hip hop led to greater fat loss than those like ballet and ballroom dancing so, um you know, I know some of you are like well i can 't dance, you know I can't be especially you know, especially. <laughs> no. yeah, look, dancing is very subjective, I mean, if you grew up in the nineteen fifties and you saw what people are doing today for dancing, you'd be like, "What is that? I think there was a movie with Matt. No, was it Matt No, it wasn't Matt Perry. It was with uh Zach Ephron. And I thought Matt Perry was in it also. Where um maybe where where Matt Perry was, you know, grew up in the eighties. Uh, or it was Zach Efron grew up in the 80s. Now he's in 2015 at the time of the movie. And they were at a football game at the high school. And the dancing that would happen in the football game in the eighties was, you know. Kind of what they used to do, right? You know, pop sort of music. But during the 2015, the cheerleaders dance during the game was the twerking and shaking their booty and certain gyrations. And so I am sure if you were, you know, grandma or grandpa in the 1950s looking at that, you'd be like, what is that? That's not dancing, but it's subjective, You know, I I mean, we see what people did in their zoot suits or how people danced in the 20s and how, you know, uh, and even in the 50s. I I mean, what Elvis did to us looks like, yeah, that's how Elvis danced that. But back then it was like, whoa, what's he doing with his pelvis? So it's very subjective. So if you don't necessarily know a particular move, it doesn't matter, especially if nobody's watching. Close the drapes. Close the curtains. But just move, shake your booty. You could dance and do the, um, was it the Carlton on the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air? I mean, I mean, do I don't care what you do. And the reason why I recommend dancing is because you use a lot of your muscles. You could work your abs. You could work your glutes, your inner thighs, your outer thighs. You know, I, I you know, dancing. And losing weight was kind of made popularized with aerobics, where Jane Fonda or Richard Simmons would have you do it to music, and they would make it fun. And they weren't wrong about that. When you're moving to music, it's just you don't necessarily have to have a trainer. You don't have to necessarily do certain moves that you feel like are fatiguing you more. But uh, there's a lot you could do. And, and, And then another thing is then why don't you learn how to dance? Go on YouTube. It's free. Look at one of those videos teaching you how to dance, teaching you how to do some moves, and learn how to do that. Uh, One of my friends installed a pole in her house. And I'm like, you pole dance? She's like, yeah, it's a great workout. Now, me, I mean, if I pole dance, everybody would want their money back (laughs) Okay, if I did that as a job. But pole dancing is a fantastic workout. It works on your core works on your abs works on your glutes your arms yeah and I'm not saying to do it and, and strip but you know there are lots of different ways that people have been dancing I mean these dancers are skinny for a reason it's because they're constantly moving yeah and I wish there was a way to get over the hatred people have for the gym you know there's a lot of reasons why people talk themselves out of a gym I used to always go to a gym I was religious about a gym. But at the time, I was younger. I was skinnier. But I remember going to Gold's Gym because Gold's Gym was more for the serious people working out. It was a little bit less of a uh, meat market. Some of these other gyms were very colorful and people would be, you know, really dressed up and just looking, you know, because they would go there to meet people. But Gold's Gym, there was mostly men and they were just hardcore working out. And so I didn't really feel uncomfortable there at all because I didn't feel like I had to, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, didn't feel like I was at a gym where I was being looked at because I wasn't at any of those places where people expected to meet people. Now I don't know if Gold's gym changed, but I loved going and, but some people, they might choose not to go to a gym because that very reason they go, well, they're embarrassed you know they're in a t-shirt and maybe their sports bra isn't the most sexy and and you don't have to dress up to go to the gym. Another reason why people don't go to the gym is because they don't want to run into people they know. I went to Hawaii with some friends of ours years ago and I was at the gym working out and my friend walks in with his wife and he decides he goes I don't want to work out in front of her. You know, and, and but they were embarrassed. They didn't want to. You know I mean to me working out with my friends I don't care. But now in this day and age with you know people taking pictures and things like that, and people take pictures of me when they see me or selfies, you know, I, I may not have my makeup in, my extensions, whatever. Yeah, I could see how you could find tons of excuses to be like, you know what, I'm not gonna do it. Now, me, what I did once I felt like I didn't have the body to go and work out at the gym is I bought A treadmill, a stair stepper, I had equipment at the house. Even in my apartment, I had a small apartment in California, I had a treadmill. Always, I've always had a treadmill wherever I go, so that I could still do my daily workout. And, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, the treadmill is boring. Well, it's not boring when you have the game on. It's not boring when you're watching your movie. You know, if there's something you're binging on, one show I just watched was Drops of God. Fantastic show on Apple TV. If you're into wine, and and it's kind of like a little uh, mystery um, um, show. But it was pretty well done. A little bit of a love story, too. Uh, Not bad. A little slow in some parts, but not bad. But let's say you want to catch up, and you're binging. Uh, You only get to do that when you're on the treadmill. There's only certain shows you get to watch, and you only get to do that when you're on the treadmill. If not, yep, you have to wait until the next day. And so make yourself these parameters you know to figure out when to work out and and you you know everything counts you know i know it would be nice to go to the gym when you see your friends do 30 40 minutes a day yes that could really get you into shape and be fantastic but if you tell yourself well i can't even do that so i quit no then do five minutes dancing or 15 minutes dancing One eight seven seven Doc Dolly, don't go away
0: That's eight one eight nine eight four six one zero zero. 984 6100 dot com
3: We're back on the Dr. Dolly Show. Thank you all for tuning in. 1-877-DOC-DALI, 1-877-D-O-C-D-A-L-I. So there's been a big demand for trying to figure out what is medical fact or fiction? What is misinformation and what is true? And I think we're getting away from the term misinformation because what was accused of being misinformation early on in the pandemic actually is now the opposite. Most of that stuff was right in terms of the... Lab leak theory in terms of, you know, COVID vaccines and how they may not confer long lasting immunity and you could still, you know, uh, give COVID and be affected by COVID. And, you know, so a lot of the, uh, I don't like the term misinformation. But another sort of issue has been coming up in terms of experts in these articles and they might not have necessarily given that guidance. So this is an interesting story. USA Today says that one day last summer, A woman, Antonia Prescott, was scrolling through the Internet, and she saw an article with a headline that caught her eye. The article said Harvard professor names best exercise to burn fat and keep it off. Dr. Daniel E. Lieberman has explained what type of exercise and for how long a week people should be doing it for best results. So Prescott, the wife, was kind of interested in this. So she turns to her husband, who was doing the dishes nearby, and asks him, well, what type of exercise should people do to burn fat and keep it off? Now, why did she go to her husband? Well, because her husband happened to be that Daniel E. Lieberman. And you know what he told her? He said, that's really complicated. I can't answer it. Now, he's a professor at Harvard, but he never, I guess, gave that quote-unquote guidance that that article said he did. Now, something like that could very easily be rectified. You call up the news source and say, hey, I didn't say that. And I have been misquoted multiple times. And, you know, doctors and media, I get a lot of doctors saying, I want to be in the media like you. I want to do what you're doing, you know, because they want to get out of medicine and they want, you know, they, they want to quit their day job, which I still can't. And I don't want to. I don't want to be a doctor on air who doesn't still do doctoring. I, I, I want to still, you know, know what's happening currently and be aware of that. Um, but, you know, people always ask and I say you've got to be very careful because you can be very easily misquoted um it could be uh, filtered what you say um eh, what you say could be used uh uh to promote a narrative that you weren't really a part of and so i've had and you have to you know say no to some journalists just because you're getting media attention doesn't mean that that's good media attention, especially when your primary goal in your career is providing patient care and teaching and accuracy. So I've had media people say, look, you know, I want you to talk about how deadly these COVID vaccines are. Now, I'm anti-mandate, but I don't, you know, I can't talk about how deadly they are. I could talk about what, you know, the CDC said in terms of uh, of uh, reports of death, I think before they took that down on their website, there was like eleven thousand five hundred reports of people dying after the covid. I could talk honestly about that, but I'm not going to talk, go into this bias. Uh, somebody had wanted me to say how kids should never get the get the vaccine. And I'm like, look, I'd like to get more data on that, too. I'm mixed on that. But I can't sit here and say definitely no kids should get it. I just can't do that. You know, because I just don't know. You know, we had uh, one of our friends' kids died of myocarditis that was COVID-induced. Would the vaccine have saved him? Would it have caused the myocarditis? I don't know enough. So it's okay. You could say, I don't know. Now, I've had, um, of, you know, articles where I'm talking about something and I give them all the information and, and they only use a, a small part of it. So when you read what I said, I'm like, but you forgot the second part. And so you know remember the media's job is media first just like a politician's main job is to get elected or reelected or to help the next person that the party wants. You would think a politician's primary job is being there for their constituents and you know doing a a real you know bang up job. But no the the number one priority of a politician is to get elected or reelected now as a side you know benefit yeah if your constituents are happy you'll do that but they they are always thinking about their next election same thing with media the media the primary goal of the media is to not necessarily you know teach you and to make you aware of everything it's to stay afloat and make uh profit now, if you do good headlines, if you do proper headlines, if you don't have misinformation, if you alert people to the news correctly, you know that'll come. But was it Rachel Maddow of MSNBC saying, uh, "We are not going to air Trump's speech because we have a duty to not have misinformation"? You know, I okay, if if you're if you know former President Trump is going to be on his way to winning the GOP primary and maybe our next president. I, you know, it's your job as, you know, the media to, you know, show their, their speeches that follow the elections. And no because they want to cater to their advertisers, they want to cater to their base. Which I don't know if they're actually doing that because, you know, people want to know what the other side is saying. So that, that's the problem we have. And so people, now that they have all this information, they now have to figure out, are they getting the right information or not? So in medical school, we learned that if there was a study saying this drug is fantastic, this drug will save lives. The first thing we do is, uh, uh, who's the source? If it's the drug maker, the pharmaceutical company, ah, uh, there's some secondary gain. But if it is a study that is by an independent source or a government that hopefully is not getting funded, now we know government is making a lot of money from pharmaceutical companies. But if you know you look at the study and go, you know what they looked at all of these drugs, this is the data, this is how they looked at the study. now that that might be a little bit more just valid than you know, a company saying our drug is the best. here you go. You also want to take a look at. You know, uh, the way the headlines are, you know, I've seen, you know, headlines saying, you know, oh, this is killing millions of people. Okay, is it killing millions of people this week? Or has it killed millions of people throughout the millennia and globally? You know, what are we talking about here? So you also if to me, an article has a sensationalized headline You might want to rethink, you know, the boringer the headline, the more medical it is. You know, the more, you know, COVID vaccine, you know, is the panacea and will save everybody from COVID death. That's just it. Just like when you take a test, when you take a test, when they say all or nothing, you know, in the rarely is anything all or nothing. So whenever you saw those words, you knew not to pick that answer because it's usually false. If they say the majority of people are finding, you know, vitamin D deficiency could affect their bones. Yeah. But if you say all people who take vitamin D will never suffer a fracture, that's that's it's sensationalized. It's it's too. Um, it's just not true. So, yeah, it it does take some discerning. One eight seven seven. Don't go away.
9: My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day.